I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. And welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. This is a podcast in which we explore the idea of living our lives under a Ten Commandment mentality whereby we as human beings try our best with our willpower and our determination to live by a set of commandments and thereby please God in our own human strength with our own dedication? Or do we live by a a system by which we rely on the grace of God to live the Christian life? That's what the Guardians of Grace podcast is all about, understanding those two different ways of living the Christian life. And in that endeavor, we have come to find out that we would be well served to live our life with a a grace mentality, relying on God's grace or his power to live the Christian life and to do what we can't do for ourselves our reliance is on none other than Christ in us, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Christ who lives it in us is what we are learning about relying on. This is what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians. He, he said, this is my, Timothy will teach you my way of life, which is in Christ Jesus which I teach everywhere in every church. Everywhere Paul went, in in every church that Paul went to, he taught about a way of life in Christ Jesus. A way of life in Christ Jesus is the opposite of in your own human determination and will and your own power. You either live the Christian life in your power or you live the Christian life in the power of God working through you to live the Christian life. That's why Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace towards me was not in vain for I labored harder than all the rest. Yet it wasn't me laboring, but it was the grace of God in me doing the laboring. That's what Paul was relying on. That's what he meant by a way of life in Christ Jesus. That little phrase, in Christ or in the Holy Spirit or in God, has a very specific meaning. And like I said, it means the opposite of in your own human capacity. That's why in Galatians 3.3 it says, You foolish Galatians, 
after having begun in the spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal of the Christian life by human effort? No, we would be foolish to do that. That's Paul's point in Galatians 3.3, that we'd be foolish to try and live the Christian life by human effort. We live by the Spirit of God. And all all these, these verses that we've been looking at in the last few podcasts are making us aware of this idea that we have two natures in us. We have either a divine nature, which is mentioned in, I think, Timothy, or a human nature. Both these natures reside in us. And as it says in Galatians 5.17, that the human nature wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the human nature, for they are in opposition to each other. This is why you don't always do what you want. That's in Galatians 5, 17 and following. The idea there was that we have two natures and they battle within us. That's why Romans 8, 5 and following can say, now the mind of the flesh or the mind of the human nature is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace. For the mind of the human nature does not subject itself to the laws of God, nor is it able to do so. The mind of the human nature cannot please God. See, there are two natures that are depicted as the mind of the spirit or the mind of the flesh. The mind of the what our parents gave birth to, which is on the the driver's license or the mind of the spirit, which someone who presented us with the gospel impregnated us with the spirit of the living God. In Romans 8, 5 and following, it uses that symbolism as the mind of one or the other. It literally says the mind controlled by the spirit or the mind controlled by the human nature. But that's what I want to look into. I, I just want to make it abundantly clear by going from passage to passage that the Bible has a lot to say about our two natures, more than you could ever imagine. But you won't even begin to learn of all the doctrines that concern our two natures until you realize that these scriptures are talking about our two natures. They're just using different illustrations to depict our two natures, like the mind of the flesh or the mind of the spirit. In Galatians 5.17, it, it just says human effort wars against the human nature, wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the human nature. This is why you don't always do what you want. That just blatantly says it there. But in many other passages, the two natures are illustrated. They're word pictures that are given to us to help us comprehend these two natures that we have. And Jesus spoke about them all through the gospel when he was down here on earth teaching us the gospel, this good news. He, he was making illustrations of our two natures, and he used them in a lot of various ways. But we'll look at some of these things, like let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and start reading in, in maybe verse 9 or so. 
1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, No eye has seen nor has an ear heard, and no mind has understood what has entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Meaning no human mind has understood just all the things that God has prepared for those who love him. It goes on to say, For to us God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. And we have received this Spirit, not of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. There it's just blatantly saying that our human mind doesn't understand these things, but we've been given the Spirit. This is what it means to be born again. That's what this verse is taking off on the notion that we were born again because when we were born again as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 flesh gives birth to flesh but spirit gives birth to spirit meaning human beings give birth to human beings but spiritual entities give birth to spiritual entities the spirit gives birth to spirit and the spirit in me caused the spirit in you to be born again when I presented you with the gospel and you received the gospel. Spirit gave birth to spirit. That's why it can say, now we have received the spirit that's not of the world back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but the spirit who is from God because we were born again and we know what it means to be born again. That We were born of the Spirit. Let's see, verse 13. Things which we also speak in words taught, not in human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now our human nature gets depicted as the natural man. It says, for the natural man does not accept the things of God. They are foolishness to him because he is not able to accept these things. But the spiritual man, he discerns all these things and he himself is judged by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. See, it's telling us Point blank, you have the mind of Christ. That's what Romans said, is the mind of the Spirit. You have the mind of Christ, depiction of it, but just before that it was depicted as the natural man or the spiritual man, the man born of the Spirit or the man born of human biological parents. That's the illustration the Bible chooses to use to introduce us to the the idea of these two natures that we have. You're going to see that there's, there's plenty of illustrations of our two natures. Look down at chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. But brothers, I could not, even though the last thing it said in chapter 2 was, you have the mind of Christ. Chapter 3, 1, it's a terrible place to put a chapter because it cuts right through the middle of a thought. 
because it, it's saying you have the mind of Christ, but I could not address you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as babes in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able to receive it, for you are still fleshly, since there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not fleshly? Are you not walking as mere men? Are you not walking in your human nature as a man? Because there, there's jealousy and strife among you. He said, I could not give you solid food. I could only give you milk because you weren't able to receive it. Didn't in chapter two, it says the natural man is not able to receive the things of God, these spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words. There is just more illustrations of our two natures. With this train of thought in mind, let's look at some of the ways Christ depicted our two natures or ways that Christ illustrated our two natures. Something like uh, in Luke 5.35, he illustrated our two natures as wineskins. You can't put new wine in an old wineskin. You have to put it in a new wineskin. That's why in Psalm 50. 110, it says, create in me a clean heart, Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Well, God did create in us a clean heart, and he puts his spirit within us that created a new wine skin and puts his new wine in our new hearts, which as I'm turning you on to the idea, you'll see that the hearts are depicted as either the old heart or the new heart all through the epistles, another synonym for flesh or spirit. But why don't we turn to Matthew 7, maybe starting in verse 15, I think. Here we see Jesus saying, Beware of the false prophet who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. Here, here we see that he's talking about thorn bushes and as a nature, each nature produces of its what that nature can produce. And here he's saying that every good tree produces good fruit in a bad tree cannot produce good fruit and a good tree can only produce good fruit. Why do I say he's using these passages about the good tree and the bad tree to teach us about our two natures? Because in in Matthew chapter 12, he goes back to the illustration of the good tree or the bad tree. In here, we find Jesus being accused of casting out spirits by the power of Beelzebub, the devil. Casting out evil spirits by the power of the devil. This is what Jesus is being accused of. In verse 28, it says, verse 27, if I cast demons out by Beelzebub, 
by whom do your sons cast them out? Constant, consequently, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you, meaning they're experiencing heaven on earth. In verse 31, Therefore I say to you that any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. And whoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever shall speak against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven to him either in this age or the age to come. Remember, they were saying he casts out evil spirits by the spirit of Beelzebub. And now he's saying he casts out evil spirits by the spirit of God. And he said you should, all, you, everyone should say it's the spirit of God that is casting out these demons. He says... If not, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven you either in this age or the one to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by the fruit. So he's saying, make a determination about me. Am I casting out demons by the spirit of Beelzebub, or am I casting out demons by the spirit of God. Make the tree. Is the tree the spirit of God that's doing it? That's why I'm saying the good tree is equated to our, our spirit. He goes on to say, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. A good man out of his good treasures brings forth what is good. An evil man out of his evil treasures brings forth what is evil. So now he, he's taken it from the illustration of a good tree and a bad tree. Now he's talking about a good man and a bad man. And he's telling us either make the man good or the man bad. You judge for yourselves. But in this instance, you have to realize that let me just say it like this. Do you remember when the rich young ruler had come to Jesus and said, good teacher, what must I do to enter the he heaven? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There is no one good but God. Why do you call me good? There is no one good but God alone. Do you remember Romans 3.10 and following? where it says there's none good, there's none who does good. They all do evil and their tongues are like sepulchers and on and on it goes. But it says there is none who does good, meaning there's not a human being that does good. Paul said it himself. He says, I know that no good thing dwells in me that is in my human nature. For the wishing to do good is present in me, but the doing of good is not. I'm not the good man. The Spirit of God in me is the good man. And that's what Jesus is saying here when he's saying the good man or the bad man. He's saying the good man inside of you brings forth treasure, and 
the human nature man brings forth what is evil, even though it wishes to do good. Then he says, so I say to you, every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render an account of them in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. It doesn't say or justified or condemned. It says both things happen to you. You get justified, and it comes down to on the day of judgment in 1 Corinthians 3, where everything is tested by fire, and the fire will burn up the wood, hay, and stubble, and judge that as works of the human nature, or it'll the fire will reveal the costly gold and silver, which are the works that Christ in you did for you. Those are the that's why you'll be judged and judged rightness. You, you'll be condemned and judged right because some of your words were of a human nature. That's what my wife always says to me when I apologize to her. She says, oh, I know those were just your words. And for years, it, it didn't dawn on me what she was talking about, but she was saying those are my words, not the Spirit of God within me speaking. They were just my words. That's why I was apologizing for what I said. They were just my words. And that's what you, according to Jesus right here, you'll be condemned for your words, but you will be justified for the words that the Spirit speaks through you. I know none of these ideas ever dawned on you, when you read this passage, I'm urging you to read the passage again with this new lens, and you'll find it quite fascinating that Jesus is just talking about the two natures over and over again. That Everything he said in this passage is dealing with the idea of our two natures. And when you find out that this is just one illustration that the, the wheat and the chaff are illustrations of the two natures. They're all different kinds of ways, the, the good soil, the bad soil. There, there's just dozens of different ways in which the human nature and the spirit are depicted and illustrated and word pictured for us. And as you can see, there's a, well, there's a reason that he gives us so many illustrations of the two natures because in the epistles, he's going to teach many, many doctrines about the two natures, about fellowshipping with the spirit, what happens to the two natures at the end of life, what Jesus did for the two natures at the cross. There's a lot of New Testament doctrines that concern these two natures. The matter of fact, everything that you read from this point on, once Jesus gave us illustrations of the two natures, everything that you read is predicated on this understanding that we have two natures, that there's a good man in us and the human nature man who's not so good even though he tries to be good. Let's look, with that in mind, let's look at a conversation that Jesus was having in John. As we're getting towards John chapter 8, we, we may start in, I don't know, 18 or 19, I'll, I'll think about it, but 
just let me say that when Jesus was saying, you'll know them by their fruit, he was telling us about a New Testament doctrine about how you can, you know, the fruit of either the flesh or the spirit. Do you remember the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and the deeds of the flesh are obvious, drunkenness, carousing, and on and on it goes with every other kind of evil deed. Those are the fruits of the flesh. They don't taste good, but the fruit of the Spirit tastes good. It's goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's when you know that you're in fellowship with the Spirit, is what I'm trying to say. But tell me Jesus did not know that he was not in fellowship with the Spirit in John chapter 8. Do you see how in verse 15, he says, You people judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone in it. He who has sent me is also judging. But he says, You judge according to the flesh. Do you remember in 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 5.16, it says, Therefore we know, and from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ that way. Now we know him not. You see, this is part of the new way of life for a Christian, actually. It's, It's saying we do not judge according to the flesh. We do not judge somebody's human effort to see whether it gets a good grade or not. We, we discount all the human effort as not as being substandard. It, it doesn't pass the muster. We judge nobody that way anymore. We're being taught a new way of judging, and it's you'll know them by their fruit if They're not producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Then they're not in the spirit. And tell me if that doesn't ring true in this passage that we're going to look at in John. Because look with me at verse 23. This is John chapter 8, verse 23. Because Jesus says something that's just outrageous. It doesn't seem to make any sense. But he says, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I say to you that you shall die in your sins. James chapter 3, it says, but if, in verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Remember, it was saying the good man out of his good heart. So that wouldn't be the good heart, would it, where the selfish ambition comes from. It goes on to say, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but this wisdom is earthly, natural, and of the devil. Earthly, natural, and of the devil. See how he's talking about wisdom from above and wisdom from below? The wisdom from below is earthly, natural, and demonic. And then verse 17, but the wisdom from above 
is first peace, pure, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. That's what wisdom from above is. Do you see we're talking about the two natures? When Jesus was saying in John chapter 8, he said, you are from below, I am from above. He was talking about the nature that's being manifest in these people. And I'll go on to illustrate that a little more clearly in a minute. minute. But just as James is talking about our two natures, and he says the human wisdom or the human nature is earthly, natural, that's of the natural man. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. That came from our human fathers. It's natural. And of the devil, of the devil, the human wisdom is of the devil living in the human nature. Tell me if he doesn't know he's speaking to the human nature in John chapter 8. Look in maybe verse 31. He says, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's offspring and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we need to be free? Jesus says, Truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Isn't that the same thing Paul said when he taught us the doctrine about in our human effort, no good thing dwells, but The sin dwells in the members of our body and it wages war against our mind and it makes us a prisoner of sin. See, Jesus is talking about the same thing Paul is. They're both on the same wavelength and we need to be on that wavelength too. And we get it by the revelation of our two natures, just like Jesus had. He was talking about our two natures because They said, we're of Abraham's offspring. And what does he say? I know that you're of Abraham's offspring, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I've seen from my father. Verse 39, they answered him and said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says, if you were the children of Abraham, you wouldn't be seeking to kill me. Just Two verses ahead of that, he said, I know you're the children of Abraham. Now he's saying, if you are the children of Abraham, you wouldn't be seeking to kill me, but you are seeking to kill me. The one who has told you the truth that I heard from God, this Abraham did not do, but your deeds is of your father. And they said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father. And Jesus says, if God were your father, you would love me for I proceed forth and have come from him. But you're of your father, the devil in verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father because he was a murderer from the beginning. He told them that they were Abraham's offspring. Then he said, you're not really Abraham's offspring because Abraham's true offspring is born of the spirit. That's what Jesus, that's what the word of God meant when the word took Abraham 
outside of the tent and said, look at the stars in the heavens. Your descendants will be like stars in the heavens. You have so many descendants that they're just not countable. Well, he meant the spiritual children of God would be the spiritual children of Abraham. That's why in Galatians 3, 5, it says, does he then provide you with the spirit and do miracles among you by works of the law or hearing of faith. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. That's what Galatians says. That's why Jesus was saying, I know you're the physical descendants of Abraham, but you're not the sons of Abraham in the spiritual sense. He, he was saying, I, I know I'm not speaking to the spirit right now. See, this idea of flesh and spirit, you have to know of this idea of flesh and spirit to be able to understand this passage in John, or you don't get it. That's why even though in John eight thirty seven he said, I know that you are Abraham's offspring. And then in eight thirty nine he says, if you were the children of Abraham. You do the deeds of Abraham, but you're doing the deed, verse 42, 41, you are doing the deeds of your father. They're, they're saying, no, we only have one father, that's God. And he says, if God were your father, in verse 42, you would love me because I came from the father. And he goes on to say, but you're doing the deeds of of your father, who is the devil, in verse 44. So you, you see how he said, Abraham, you're children of Abraham, but you're not really children of Abraham because the children of Abraham are spiritual beings and you're not manifesting the spirit because I know because I'm supposed to know people by their spirit. That's what he said. Judge not according to the flesh, but according to the fruit that they produce. And then you know whether you're fellowshipping with the the spirit of God or you're fellowshipping with the, the spirit of Beelzebub or the spirit of the human nature. This is what Jesus is clearly showing that he knows. He knows that he is not fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do what he desires. He has been a murderer from the beginning. Jesus could see that he was communicating to people who were not in the spirit, but they were in the flesh, in the human wisdom, which is earthly, natural, and of the devil. That's why he says, your father is the devil, because they were manifesting the earthly wisdom. They were he was knowing them by their fruits, and they were not bearing the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. They were not bearing those fruits. They were bearing the fruits of death. They wanted to kill Jesus. So he knew that they were in their human nature and that sin had taken them master. That's why he said, you You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He said, I know you're enslaved 
to sin, just like it says in Romans 7, 14 and following. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I do want to do. It's all because sin is dwelling in me. That's what Jesus is saying. I can tell that sin is dwelling in you. It's all predicated on understanding these doctrines about our two natures. And you can clearly see, I hope you reread this passage, but you can clearly see that Jesus is saying, I can see your two natures and you're not manifesting the nature of the spirit of at all. You're not manifesting the spirit of my father. You're manifesting the spirit that is earthly, natural, and of the devil. So I'm going to say, your father is the devil because of what, because I'm speaking to the human nature. This passage becomes obvious once we've been turned on to the idea that the, listen to me, what I'm trying to say, and I've said all that to say this, the Bible shows you the idea of the two natures, and it uses the idea of the two natures as the foundation for a lot of the doctrines that you will see in the epistles. That's why I want to make this point clear that we have two natures. I want you to see that Jesus could tell he was not talking to the Spirit of God, but he was talking to the human nature that we are supposed to know. We do not judge according to the flesh whether somebody is good in their human strength or not. Isn't that what he said earlier in John? Do not judge according to the flesh. Do not judge how good the human nature is doing. Isn't that what it said in Second Corinthians? We judge no man according to the flesh anymore. We judge according to these two natures, what we're seeing, and we know them by their fruit. We are supposed to know whether we are supposed to judge whether we are fellowshipping with the human nature or fellowshipping with the spirit. As new Christian believers, we are supposed to learn this idea of the human nature or the spirit and learn it so much that we can tell when we're fellowshipping with the human nature or the spirit, because we'll know it by its fruit. I mean, just take the understanding that we got in 1 Corinthians 2 about the spirit can hear the things of God, but the human, the natural man, cannot accept the things of God. They're, they're foolish to him. He cannot receive them. He's not even able to receive the things of God. Look at what Jesus is saying in verse 44, you are of the devil and you want to do what your father wants because he's a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth. There is no truth in the devil. Whenever he speaks, it's a lie. He speaks from his own nature. He is a liar. His own nature, Jesus is saying. We have two natures, and Jesus is talking about this. So please, let's pick up on this one idea, because as grace believers, this is a big part of what it means to live by grace. This is what it means to live in Jesus, which Paul taught everywhere in every church. A big part of Living in Jesus is understanding these two natures. 
and that's what he says. He speaks from his own nature. He is a liar, the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I speak the truth, and you do not believe me. He who is of God hears the words of God. Do you remember we have not received the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit who is from God. And that's exactly what Jesus says. If you're the spiritual man who is from God, you would hear these words that I'm saying. But I can tell that you're not the spiritual man. You're of your father, the devil, because you can't receive the words I've got. Isn't that what Paul said? You have the mind of Christ, but I could not treat you as men as spiritual men but as men of flesh because there's jealousy and envy among you well they were showing jesus jealousy and envy right now and he said i can't treat you as the spirit i have to treat you as the flesh this passage is going exactly with first corinthians 2 just read the two together where it says the natural man can't receive the things of the spirit of god he he says he who is of God, hears the words of God. For this you do not do, you do not hear them because you are not of God. Remember, we've received the spirit, not of the world, but the spirit who is of God, so we can search the deep things of God. He says, you're not of God, meaning you're not manifesting the spirit of God that you've received. You're not re- receiving, you're not, you're not manifesting that spirit. That's what we're supposed to be able to realize, whether our, the people that we are around as grace believers, as believers in grace, we're supposed to be able to understand whether the people we are around are manifesting the spirit who is of God or manifesting their own human nature in trying to be pleasing to everybody around them, but they're just manifesting their human nature. See, this is a big part of what it means to live by grace. Like Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace was not in vain toward me because I labored harder than all the rest, but it wasn't me laboring. It was the grace of God in me, the grace of God energizing him. Well, Jesus could see that the grace of God was not energizing these people and they could not understand what Jesus was saying because only the spiritual man receives the thoughts that are spiritual thoughts, thoughts from God. Only the spiritual man does this. To get any understanding of what I'm talking about, we have to learn about these two two natures and all the synonymous ways they are depicted because the Bible over and over will show these two natures but speak about them in various word pictures. It will not always be obvious, but now that you know it's there, you're going to have a blast when you read the Bible because you're going to say, this is what he was talking about. He was talking about the two natures. This is another illustration of the two natures, and you're going to feed off the Bible for the next couple of years just grabbing all the verses that talk about the human nature and the spiritual nature. The Bible is going to amaze you. You just received a new lens for reading the Bible, and you'll see it in the Gospels. You'll see it in the epistles. 
all these different thoughts about our two natures. And there are so many doctrines that are built upon this idea of our two natures. The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. So you do not always do what you want because these two natures are in opposition to each other. Galatians 5.17 again. If we do not understand that the Bible is teaching us about the two natures, it'll never be revealed to us all the different doctrines and beneficial teachings on the two natures that are in the Gospels and the Epistles. We will not get that benefit if we do not understand that there were two natures. And for so many years, I would say, I'm saved, I'm not saved, I'm saved, I'm not saved. When I was reading the Bible, because it was talking about good people, bad people, I thought Joe was a good person and Jack was a bad person. When I realized now that there is none good, no, not one. Humanly speaking, nobody made the grave and nobody is called good, humanly speaking. We tried hard, but we failed. And the spirit in us is good and will do for us what we can't do for ourselves, which is produce good. Didn't it say the good man produces good treasures? Well, Jesus in us will produce the good. And we can only begin to start understanding and learning about this if we have a foundation that we've learned about our two natures. And for me, for so many years, I was clueless. And I read the Bible and it did not make sense to me at all. There were so many passages that I could not comprehend. They just didn't make sense to me. And I wanted so bad to learn the meaning of the passage I was reading. And I felt so dumb not to be able to understand it. And that finally I, I learned about the two natures in that when I'm reading the Bible, I should not use my human intellect, but I've got the mind of Christ to read the Bible with. And finally the scriptures came alive. And I realized be, because I had now was using the mind of Christ and not my human nature, I began to realize that half the passages I was reading were predicated on the understanding of these two natures. There's whole books, First John to be, be one of them, the whole book of First John is about how to fellowship, how to know whether you're fellowshipping with either the spirit or the flesh, either the human nature or the spirit or the nature of God when you're fellowshipping with him. There's all these different doctrines about, like in James where it says, I want you to speak and act like those who will be judged by the perfect law that gives freedom and the law of Christ. There, there's a judgment for the Christians and it's a judgment about whether you receive rewards or not. Something we're going to get into in, in huge ways eventually, but it's about whether your works burn up. And if they are human works, they burn up. If God does the works through you, it produce, the fire produces costly stones and jewelry for you. It produces treasure. The good man out of his heart produces good treasure. That's why Jesus in Revelation 3 said, I counsel you to buy me 
from me gold refined by fire because he's the only one who produces the gold refined by fire. But first we have to know that we have two natures and that we can use one or the other and that we're told not to use one, but use the Spirit of God. Then we can see that it's the Spirit of God who lays up treasures in heaven and give him credit for doing that and thereby store up treasures in heaven. Because the, the good works that we do, we take credit for and say, no, nah, that came from my human effort and determination, burns up. We do not receive rewards for that. And there's all these teachings and doctrines about this stuff that I'm just, I'm just touching the tip of the iceberg when I talk about these things. But we will study them for the next couple of years because we will learn what it means to live by grace. And that's to live by a power that we don't have and give credit to grace, give credit to this power that we don't have that is causing us to blossom. And blossom you will because blossom I did once I gave up using my human nature to try and please people. I used the Spirit of God and I became pleasing to people. This happened probably 25 years ago and I've been living by the Spirit ever since. But before I was living by the Spirit, I was a mess. And I was trying hard too, but I was an absolute mess. I was an embarrassment to Christianity. That's where people would say, are you going to be in heaven? I don't want to be there. If you're going to be there, they would say that. They would have said that about me back when I was trying to be the model Christian in my own human capabilities. I was a mess. I couldn't do it. Neither can you, whether you know it or not. You can't do it. You will be a mess. You will disappoint the people around you if you're on the performance treadmill. If you're on the I will do it treadmill, I don't need any help, I'll do it myself. If you're believing like that or I don't get any help, I have to do it myself. If you're believing something like that, which is crazy, then you will not perform very well. But I'm trying to tell you how to live the Christian life. I'm not telling you to do certain things. I'm trying to tell you how to do the Christian life, how to do all the aspects of the Christian life. Remember, all the requirements of the law will be fully met by us who do not walk according to human effort, but walk according to the Spirit's power, Romans 8, 4. All the different aspects of being a Christian we will do. We will blossom and excel at all those aspects. If we live by the Spirit's power, if we live by grace, the grace of God, if we use that, that's why the grace of God is not a dangerous thing. It is very important for us to know and understand the grace of God is not just the undeserved kindness you got at the cross, the, the license to sin and live the way you want because Christ saved you at the cross. It's not that. It's the power to do what you're trying so hard to do in trying to be pleasing to people. This is the way to do it. That's what it is. It's the way. That's why Paul said, I'm sending Timothy who will teach you my way of life in Christ Jesus that I teach everywhere in every church. Everywhere in every church. 
this is what we're to teach. We're to say, brother, do you want the power to live the, a righteous Christian life? Turn your life over to Jesus. Let him live through you. Get up every day and pray, Lord, you do for me what I can't do for myself. Cause me to blossom as a Christian. Every morning you wake up and say, Lord, help me out with today. Do the day's deeds through me. I don't want to do anything in my own human determination. I want you to be living your life through me. I want you to be manifesting yourself through me. This is what I want. This is what I pray for. This is what I'm telling you now. This is what I pray for every day is for Christ to manifest himself through me all day long. And I, I hope just understanding that we have two natures and that the Bible talks about these two natures will allow you to come to the understanding that you want to live each and every day in the hopes that you'll manifest Jesus and nothing more, that that's the essence of your new Christian life. You're hoping that Jesus manifests. And those who wait on the Lord, instead of doing it themselves in their own human determination, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. It's literally exchange strength and mount up like wings of eagles. Those who wait on the Lord exchange their strength for the Spirit of God's power, and they shine, and they mount up like wings of the eagles, like they're on the eagle's wings. This is why this is why I'm so adamant about living by grace, and this is why I just took a, spent an hour telling you about human nature and the divine nature that the Bible teaches about these two things, because we've got 50 more thoughts to teach. I've got 50 more thoughts to teach, and it's all predicated on understanding that we have two natures. I want to tell you everything that God did to our two natures at the cross. It'll fascinate you. You'll jump up and down and say, that is good news. But first you have to understand that you have two natures. But eventually we'll get into the idea of just what Jesus did for our two natures on the cross and how we judge those two natures. It'll just blow your mind, but not until you've learned that you have two natures. So with this in mind, Father, I want to pray that we take root and become established in your word, in your truth, that it give us a new lens to read the Bible. And with this new lens, we can see all the passage for what they are. All these passages that we're talking about, the two natures. Look at John chapter 8 and see how it could be so hard to see the two natures. And then yet, once you're turned on to the idea of them, it can be so easy to see the two natures in Jesus's conversation with the people that were going to kill him. Use this new lens, the lens that sees these two natures and the thoughts that are predicated on the two natures. And tell me if you don't begin to see them everywhere, Lord, please allow us to see them everywhere is what I should say. Lord, please allow us to read the Bible with a new lens that you've given us. Give us 
eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to understand. Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation that's spoken of in Ephesians 1, something that I'm going to get us all to memorize eventually, memorizing a prayer to receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we have the mind of Christ and we can read the Bible with the mind of Christ and the eyes that he has, because the eyes that he has will see this idea in the scriptures of the two natures everywhere. And I'm praying that you do too, now that you've just gotten a taste of the idea. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.